Hello, and welcome back to She's In Focus, the podcast dedicated to inspiring and empowering female filmmakers and video creators from all walks of life and on every step of their creative journey. I'm your host, Kel Grant, an aspiring filmmaker from New Jersey who is just trying to turn my passion into something more and connect with amazing women who have the same passion for video. One of those being Debbie Vu, filmmaker and founder of Ironworks Media. She creates documentary and narrative films for nonprofits and mission-based small businesses. I'm so excited to dive into her journey today. Debbie, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, this is awesome. I'm so excited to get into it. So I'm eager to, to talk about your founding of Ironworks Media, but I figured we'll take it back to the beginning. I wanted to hear about your whole filmmaking journey because it's my understanding that you didn't start off with a camera at all. You were an avid reader, an avid writer, storyteller, um, and then you went on to continue other, um, pursue other facets of the creative arts, like acting and directing. So take us back and tell us your story from the top. Okay. Um, <laughs> I love that. I love origin stories, you know, and mine's a very convoluted thing. It's like, I can tell you I've been through a lot, you know, um, yeah. in a short period of time. Um, but it all started for my love of books. I loved being transported to a world that was nothing like my own. You know, mm -hmm. I was hurt a lot. I was abused growing up. And so I needed books to kind of escape. Um, and then I was like, let me just write. Let me like, this is therapeutic. I should do it. I have a great, I have a voice in my head. You know, it's my own voice, but it, it, my mind is so it's, it's wired um, and I'm bouncing around all the time. And so it was great to harness that energy um, as an actor in high school. Um, my, my, my teacher was like my mentor and uh, he was really integral in me becoming the storyteller that I am. You know, it really opened me up. You know, I was growing up, I was very shy. I didn't talk that much. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I moved around a lot as a kid, so I had to make friends really quickly in a short period of time. And yeah. I failed, you know, I, did, I didn't find friends right away. Um, but, you know, I ended up in North Carolina at 12 years old and um, in Pinehurst, which is a small town, Gulf Central of America, very white, mm -hmm. lily white. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, so it was, um, you know, it was challenging growing up in a predominantly white community. Um, you know, there were some racism like from my classmates you know oh yeah um, and I just simply chalked it up. oh they're just jokes um but that's a whole other tangent that we can go on I I hate that jokes thing oh um, yeah but anyway so I did some acting um on stage in high school and then I was a student director and I directed two one-act plays um and it was such a thrilling amazing experience I cried um one of the students kind of chewed me out in front of everybody so that was really debilitating um, oh god <laughs> so I thought you meant you cried years. in a good way like I thought you were like oh it was a great experience I cried but okay yeah yeah I was pushed you know um mm. and it hurt so um then in in college I got accepted to UNC Chapel Hill which is an amazing school I'm honored I got a full ride I got nice. the education that I needed to produce my own work um mm. and got the knowledge and experience and um Gradu graduated there and got to go to Malawi. Um, so when figuring out my major, my parents were like, do something practical. Um, and I was like, well, acting and writing is not practical. It's a, it's a, it's a lifetime of failure and pain and rejection. Right. Um, so I was like, let me put them together, acting and writing and try to become like a news anchor. Um, and so I, I started taking a lot of journalism classes um, and one project was a documentary and it was amazing. It was so cool to like have people tell their own stories, but me craft it and, and streamline it and yeah. have like, a really impactful message that captures people and holds on to their attention because that's the problem. Now people don't pay attention, you know, right. you can get them for like three minutes max sometimes, you know, until someone's like looking at how much more time is this video going to be, you know? <laughs> Um, but so I, I did a documentary project in, in college and it actually, um, got published in like a friends of the library publication and, um, 
and it was an amazing experience and I loved it. And because news reporting centers the reporter. Yeah. And I don't like that. <laughs> you know, I, I want to use real raw people's storytelling to tell their own stories. Like we should be empowering people, you know, um, you know, with news reporting, it's, it's a short term commitment. You show up someone's house, they're they're shaken to their core from something horrible or even something good that happened, you know? And news reporters come in, they do the interview, they're they're stoic, you know, they're all about business, and then they leave and then they edit something for the six o'clock news and that's it. There's no relationship building, you know? As a documentary filmmaker, I got to know people really deeply, you know, by observing what they do, you know, my 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 project that that I produced in 2014, it was a series of documentary shorts on bodybuilders. Um, for my brother's bodybuilding competition, I, I interviewed seven bodybuilders and created short promo videos. That is, that project's my pride and joy. And it's been seven years and it still holds up so well. And I used a Canon 6D with a zoom recorder H6 Mm-hmm. and um, a 50 millimeter lens. Wow. And I did a lot of slow-mo too. So I did 1280 fr- frame rate, 1280, uh, 720, uh, 60 frames per second. So mm-hmm. I would just slow down all the shots and it just looks so good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it won like best short film of the month um, at a film you know, organization or business or whatever festival or some sort like that and um so i'm i'm really proud of you know that was a one woman band gig i did a lot of stuff on my own and i did it for free i would not recommend that but listen (laughs) you know free to fee works it's a Mm -hmm. real thing i have all these stories that i can tell you that just link together i'm like because i said this this person connected me to this person and now i'm I'm getting opportunities that I never would have had if I didn't connect with people. Yeah, absolutely. So college, I get to go to Malawi in Africa to do documentary work for P&G's Children's Safe Drinking Water. Um, in college, you had this opportunity. After college. After college. Got after it. After college. And it was just, you know, I, I tra- traveling and filmmaking are the best combination, like the dream. one of the best combinations ever. <laughs> and it's a dream, right? And I got yeah. to do it at 22. You know, not very many people can say that. And and it was because of UNC. You mm. know, I, I took my journalism classes, was in the journalism school and saw a sign that said international documentary internship. And I was like, that's for me. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> that is mine. I'm going to take it. Um, and so there were it was a team of seven. So, you know, graphic designer, photographer, lead filmmaker, uh, assistant filmmaker, um, social media expert, uh, producer, you know, a team of seven um, creatives working together to tell these stories. Um, And I just remember thinking, this is what I want to do, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm doing it. Like I'm living this dream and I got to do it because of the public school education system, you know, wow. like went to yeah. public schools like all my life, and I'm a product of what you know social services can do, you know. Um, Definitely. And also, you know, this might be like going too deep right away, but I, I it's really important for people to understand that I'm I'm someone living with a mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um, I was too. diagnosed with bipolar disorder when I was 24 years old. And you would not believe how many people, when I disclose, they tell me, oh, my sister has that too. Yeah. Or my aunt or my uncle or my grandma, you know? So mental health issues is such a important thing that we really have to focus on because the brain is where everything, everything in our body is because of our brain. And if yeah. we don't take care of that, like, what's the point, you know? Absolutely. So you've so, remained, what I'm hearing from your story is that the entire time it seems like you've remained true to yourself no matter if like you you went on this um the journalism track which maybe wasn't your idea at first your parents might have you know wanted you to find something practical you took that sought out that opportunity found what you liked about journalism found what you didn't like about it 
pivoted your your career path and your trajectory and arrived at new opportunities all while keeping that that human aspect and the storytelling as part of it and i think that's awesome because you know i myself went from uh, you know being um a radio host to um, a musical theater major to then you know working in front of the camera to now working behind the camera and that journey it's kind of exhaustive you know it can it can take a lot out of you but it's, it's really how you you view it and how you choose to take on these opportunities and see them as opportunities instead of you know derailing because that you know sometimes I get in my head and I'm like you know I spent three years doing this thing that I you know when I really wanted to be a filmmaker but all of those experiences that I had informed the way that I you know I make films now and the way I do business and the way I the way I see myself and I uh, I just hear bits and pieces of that throughout your story and I think that's awesome so I am someone who understands the the mental health struggle and you know the fact that even that you disclose that to me says a lot about you because you know I've always kind of been discouraged by by certain family and friends like you know don't let people know that they won't want to work with you Mm. they won't want you they won't want to take you on they won't want to be your client Mm-hmm. You know, so how, have you experienced that in your life? So when I first was going through, you know, recovery and, and hospitalizations and I was in the hospital six different times, my point was like, I lost every ounce of creativity. You know, mm-hmm. I was in a deep depression. You know, what used to comfort me, you know, scared me. You know, I, I, I couldn't write anything you know and I'm a screenwriter I love writing scripts you know and it took me two years to finally get to me again um and it wasn't me anymore it was new me it was Debbie 2.0 which is amazing and cool um because she's been through a lot you know and can relate you know and have empathy doing your journalism work you went to uh Malaysia Malaysia Malawi Malawi you went to Malawi Africa and you had this opportunity to create this this awesome documentary uh, through this scholarship. So what year was that? When that did was, you do that? That was 2012. 2012. Okay. So when did you, at that point, did you have your own camera equipment? Were you, when you came oh. back from that trip, were you, when did, yeah. what was the evolution there? Yeah. Well, I used a Canon 60D on my trip to Malawi and I loved how it, how it was, you know, packaged you know, with the spinny screen, you know, so you can like rotate it and get like hot shots <laughs> if you have to, and you can look at the, you know, yeah. at the image. Um, uh, and it was really mobile, you know, and um, so I bought the same camera um, and it was the start, you know, and then two years later, I mean, you know, after I went to Malawi, I spent a year in Oakland, California, um, right by mm-hmm. San Francisco, and it was an amazing experience and learned a lot, worked on my first feature film out there, um, moved to New York after my lease was up. I was already going to visit my brother in New York. So let's just well, move there. As well. Yeah. <laughs> what we can do. And within two weeks, I got cast in a web series. I got onto a feature film through a, sh- a free unpaid production assistant gig for a short film. I got it because the guy knew the producer. He was also working on that project and they were looking for a second AC and I'd done that work. And then I got the gig within two weeks of arriving in New York. So, oh my goodness, um, and got housing. You know, I just I just showed up in New York, and everything just like fell right into place. You know, because I know what I I knew what I wanted and what I needed. And you know, if I, you know, if I work hard, I'll get there. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and then I left New York, um, and that's when I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, and um, came back to North Carolina so my my family could look after me and make sure I was okay. I was like the baby bird, you know, I was, I'm the baby. So, you know, it it was a struggle to, you know, be in the real world. And I don't know, I was lost. I didn't know who I was. And then I got on disability, which is amazing. You know, I've been on disability since it first started my mental, my mental health journey. Um, And that's, that's how I've started my business because I'm, financially supported by disability I don't really need the money from the business like I started Ironworks to make to produce content not to run a business I I I didn't Mm. mean to you know start a business to run a business I started a business 
to make it official, you know, to, you know, benefit from my dream horse, you know. You were diagnosed when you left New York. You were being taken care of at home. How did, and, and during that time, you said you were, you were really going through it. You know, you lost your creativity. How did you get it back? I went back to North Carolina with my family, um, and I applied to another program called Johnson Service Corps. Similar program, pay for housing. You get a job basically at a nonprofit for a year, solid year, um, and um, you're living with people your own age. So I got to work at a nonprofit called Step Up Durham, and uh, we provided employment readiness workshops, so helping people get jobs. They knew I was a filmmaker, and they had me make a video for their uh, fun big fundraiser event, yearly fundraiser event. Did a video for them, and the executive director of Step Up was like, you need to start charging people. <laughs> because I'd been doing like free work and internships for years. Mm -hmm. um, without being paid. Um, and I, it's imposter syndrome, you know, I didn't, I didn't think I was worthy of getting paid. But you know, my work stands, you know, on its own, like it's, you know, if people go to the website, they can tell like, we have really high production quality, because we know how to make people look good, you know, and sound good. And, you know, and, and tell a story with their stories. That's the cool part is like, we're telling these stories, through other people who are directly impacted by the subject matter. So from Step Up, I started my business in November 2017. And, you know, our first year, 2018, we had four figures. We weren't making that much money. The right. second year, 2019, oh, five figures. It, it, it more than doubled, you know, the previous year. So I'm very proud of that. And I realized I did the calculation for 2019, all the projects and the money that we got. Um, and I did the calculations. And if I had priced at a higher rate, like three times as much, because that's what someone told me, like you should be charging like that much. Yeah. I, I would have had six figures. Wow. If I was adequately charging people for the work that we were doing, yeah. I, my business would have been a six figure business. Yeah. And I That's a tough that. realization to come to knowing the, the money you missed out on. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. 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 But that's a delicate, like that's a delicate dance because I asked a lot from like these two projects that came to me, these two clients, and I gave them some massive number numbers and I think it spooked some people. So, so I didn't get either of those projects, which was lame. Um, right. but I get an email on the same day as the second shoot rejected me <laughs> or dropped me um i got an email from johnson service corps from jsc yeah. um, where i first you know started my journey of recovery um and they want a video for their fundraising event and i told them the numbers and hopefully i get it um but i cut i, cu I severely cut the numbers to try to get this job so it's yeah. a delicate dance for sure, you know, going back and forth and making sure it's fair to everybody, you know, and I, and I think that's what you got to say to people, you know, say to potential clients is like, we want these rates to be fair to everyone involved. Yeah. And I think if you just preface it like that from the beginning, then they'll like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, oh, it takes that much work to do what you're doing. Oh, okay. Right. Or, you know, I, I just, I get so bugged out that people think that artists should do their stuff for free. Why did you, why were you initially charging the prices you were charging that were seemingly undervaluing your services? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's imposter syndrome, baby. It yeah. all comes down to it, you know? I really, and also, I mean, number one though, right? That's number two reason is that. Number one reason is I care and I love the mission of nonprofits and I, and the reason why 2019 was so successful is because I was part of a co-working space called ReCity Network, and their co-working space is geared towards nonprofits, small businesses, and faith ministries. So mm -hmm. I got access to like 40 potential clients because of the network. Um, wow. so, and I, I did a lot of work with, and it, ha it happened, you know, people knew that I did videos and they, and, um, 
people are straight, not strangely enough, but I think it's true. I think people finally want to support creatives of color, femme identifying creatives and LGBTQIA plus creatives. People actually yeah. want that now. And so people look at me and they're like, oh man, like you're an Asian American woman. Like you're, you, you fit, you know, unique boxes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, so we want you. <laughs> right. Right. You know, some, some of the gigs, they just gave me the, the gig without looking at my work. I was like, what? Like, <laughs> you're going to give me money and not look at my work and look at what you might get out of it, you know? Right. Right. So, right. you know, recommend just like company research, you know, if you're, if you're someone who's looking to have a video done, then, you know, you, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's hard work. Um, but it pays off when you get there. Um, but like I said before, the free to fee concept is so true. I've done a lot of free stuff and it's led to connections that, you know, have connections to other, you know, potential clients too, or, you know, maybe this is someone that I should talk to, or maybe I should have this person in my corner, you know, and, and just supporting other people that look like yourself, you know, um, yeah. because, because it's, it's important to, you know, elevate, empower, embolden each other to tell our own individual stories so that we can inspire other people. Um, that's partially why I'm doing this podcast, because I want people to know my story you know, I, I feel like in general conversation, I don't really talk too much um, because I I don't like to take space in a, mm. you know, with with people. But I, I do have to take space. I should take yeah. it and own it, you know, like, oh, yeah, I deserve exactly. to be here. Like you do. You, know? you deserve like, the spotlight, too. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I and I really I love I've gotten to love to tell people that I have bipolar disorder. I love, I love it now. At the beginning, I hated it. It caused me so much dread. I had mm. to practice what I was going to say before I told someone, you know, and now it's just like, yeah, I was diagnosed seven years ago. Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. I've been doing well for myself. All right. Calm down. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love sharing, you know, from my perspective, you know, I, I share you know, with people that I'm a survivor of all kinds of abuse and neglect and, um, people can relate to that. And it's so sad, you know, it's so yeah, sad it that we can relate in tragedy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, you know, tragedy, sad stuff, angry stuff, all that, you know, sometimes those are the best teachers, you know, when you're in pain, you learn how not to be in pain again. Yeah. Because you knew, yeah. you know, and that's how I feel when I was 24, you know, 24, 25 was really, really rough on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got into JSC and started my life and I, and I had a, a wonderful work life. You know, I loved my coworkers. I loved the work that I did. Um, and I had an amazing home life cause I got to live with two girls who were amazing and we loved each other. We loved each other dearly. We spent a lot of time with each other. That was the point of the program. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I met the love of my life, um, oh. via Tinder baby. <laughs> it I love a Tinder origin story. I do. <laughs> it's the easiest origin story, dude. But we get yeah. into like details. We're like, Oh, Debbie message first. Yeah. You know, Ryan had a cute picture. Debbie had a cute picture. We had the pictures that like drew them in, you know? Um, But yeah, so I, I hit the trifecta of like work life, home life, love life, all harmonious. And I was like, I've reached Nirvana on earth. You know, people think, you know, it's Nirvana. Isn't like when you die and it's your afterlife, like Nirvana is like finding the good in this world because there is a lot of bad. Yeah. But yeah. we need the bad. You know, if you like, had no bad, you wouldn't know what good was. So, Exactly. You have no reference point. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, so taking it back to Ironworks Media, you started this business. Did you, and you, you started it with the intention of serving mission-based small businesses and nonprofits. That's, that was your intention going into it. So in the beginning, we really wanted to serve nonprofits and small businesses to tell their stories. 
Um, and that was our main focus for the first two years of operation. And then our third year, 2020, we were supposed to pivot to producing scripted content. So like fictional work. Mm-hmm. Um, and COVID actually kept pushing us to pivot in that direction. How so? so I think my logic was like, well, I don't want to be on a set now because of COVID. Mm-hmm. I don't want to risk that. Um, so there was a lot of planning and writing and, and pre-production that we're doing for, you know, projects that we were hoping to produce at a later time, you know, after this kind of blows over, mm-hmm. literally, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> when, when that, whenever that happens, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for some reason, I was like, oh, I can't do any projects now. You know, I can't gather, you know, a bunch of people anymore. You know, I can't get like a full-fledged team anymore. Um, but then it was like, wait a minute, we know a little bit more about COVID so we can have precautions leading up to the shoot regarding COVID Mm -hmm. and people are doing it. You know, why can't we do it? And also with documentary work, you don't really need a full crew of like 10, 15 people. You can simply do it, you know, two is like the minimum. Like yeah, I, would I would recommend agree. <laughs> one person bands. Those are rough and yeah. your art will suffer. So ask your friend to come through, listen to the sound and make sure they're the right levels. <laughs> you know, that's it. Right. That's, you know, just ask a friend if they're interested in, in being on set with you and, and build that together. You know, like the more people you have, the more legitimate your, your business looks, honestly. Um, so with documentary shoots, you know, you can have two, three, four people, um, and then you have the interview subject. So like we could have done documentary work and I, I, I kind of closed off, I closed that door to documentary because I wanted to focus on scripted content, Mm -hmm. but documentary is where we're making our money. And the point of Ironworks was I wanted it to be a self-sustaining business, meaning we get clients for our documentary work, take that money and put it directly into a portion of it into a narrative production fund so we could produce scripted content and just like keep producing and creating and mm. and all that. So I've just gotten my hands in a lot of different projects and you know my ultimate goal in life is to be able to work on a set every day for the rest of my life honestly. Like I wow. I would love to just like hop on set and help out and solve some problems and then leave. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, my work's done. I got to go. Right. Um, I, I didn't realize it, but I'm a very proficient producer. Um, and I've I've produced at least two short films of my friends. Like, they directed and I produced their work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've done that for two people. And I'm doing that for another friend in June. Um, so I'm, I'm about creating opportunities. You know, I, I told my friend, I was like, I just make it up and do it. You know, I just make up something and then do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just as simple as that, you know? Right, right. So a few things. You're, so Ironworks, based on the description of the things that I've, I've read about, is much more than just creating documentary style and narrative content it's also about the work environment and this this type of training program that you have for interns and for associates that work with you can you tell me a little bit about that perfect you nailed it yes you know what you're talking about good (laughs) job you did the research okay anyway (laughs) i don't even know what the question was i was just so excited tell me about the um the other the other mission with your business which oh, is the to inter- yeah the education and yeah that. yeah i am so proud of the internship program that we have here at ironworks media um you know so many people have come through the program and found success on their own or with me um and i found these interns um from unc um because that was my alma mater. I knew the department there so I could, you know, reach that that network. Mm-hmm. And then as it went along, I realized that I needed people who were a little more experienced. Um, so kind of like not green, but not intermediate. Like probably, you know, like 
maybe towards intermediate. Um, so mm -hmm. I realized I needed kind of stronger candidates. Um, and so um, since COVID happened, we got to take in four interns um, and two of them got to see a whole project, a whole documentary project from point A to point B got to be a part of that, a huge part of that process. And they made that video. We made that video together and it, and it's, it's, it's one of our best work, you know, because we, we collaborated with the right people and had the right support um, yeah. and the, the right kind of education and the skills that we needed. Um, so what kind of characteristics do you look for in a candidate for either an internship position or an associate position at your company? Yeah. Um, so I'm looking for people who kind of break the mold of what like a typical tradition, traditional um, crew member, you know, usually being a white man, you know, uh, white. <laughs> yeah. Man. Um, yeah. So heavily dominated by white men. So honestly, sorry, white guys, I don't really work or want to work with <laughs> white men. Um, but you want to give opportunities to diverse candidates. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You guys are fine. Like you guys <laughs> have enough, like you're fine. Okay. Um, yeah. Cause I actually, I posted like, Hey, I'm looking for women, femme um, editors or something like that. And someone was like, D why does it have to be a woman? <sighs> yeah. Okay. If, all right. You, you obviously don't get it and you won't get it, you know, right. you don't, you, you don't you don't want to get it you know like you're actively like questioning me in front of like a social media forum you know like someone who's posting has authority and power to post something to get someone paid a woman yeah and you're telling me why has it got to be a woman right right let me take that opportunity away <laughs> from yeah. a woman like what well, but, oh, man. Okay. but to be frank i do work with white men they are you know the support and foundation of what i've been able to do so it's not like i won't work with white men i just don't want white men to take up space yeah when people of color can be in that space you know outside of being a poc or a part of the lgbtq plus community what characteristics can a candidate display if they want to work with you you know, if you're in an interview with a with a potential intern, what things yeah. do you do you kind of look for? How can you tell they're going to be a, a how how can you tell they're going to fit into your your organization? Yeah, I mean, it's just like any job you would apply to. You know, you come up with a cover letter, you have a resume, you have maybe a reel that I can look of the footage or editing work that you've done. Mm -hmm. um, so I I like to you know, I love me a cover letter. Like if you have an option to send in a cover letter, do it yeah. because it shows the employer how you communicate mm. and points out stories that you couldn't get from looking at a resume, you know, pointing out, Hey, you know, I applied to a couple, you know, first assistant director gigs and I, and I specifically said, you know, based on the job description, I specifically said, you know, complete sentences. Like if it, if the job description says, you have to know how to use the software. Tell them in the cover letter, you know how to use the software. It's just as basic as that. You're telling people exactly, you know, and and you get to craft it, you know, that yeah. like this is your style of communication and people will get to know you and hear your voice in their head, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I, I try to meet, you know, I try to set up a meeting to talk to, to, talk to the uh, potential interns and I explain that I have people pick out their top three stages of narrative filmmaking. So that includes writing, producing, directing, filming, and editing. So I always ask all interns and potential associates, you know, what are their top three? So I can figure out which opportunities to let you know about. So you can get direct experience with that. I'm really about right. creating paid filmmaking opportunities. I always want to get my people paid. There's some, you know, with the internship program, you're not going to get paid if you're going to do work alongside me because how you're getting, you know, these, the experience is valuable. It probably costs more than what I would pay you, you know? Right, uh, right. So I spoil my people. I think I spoil them. 
<laughs> they're like, oh, I'm not That's getting great. paid. You know, I'm not getting paid enough for that. I'm like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I get it. Um, so I'm very much like a mentor and a trainer and a teacher and an educator and and all that. And I just want to see my people succeed. And so, you know, I've learned a lot about life, and I and I try to share that with my friends and family. With your business, what would you say the biggest struggle that your business faces? <laughs> And how, how do you work to overcome that? Because I imagine like working with, with nonprofits, I'm, I'm assuming like the budgeting thing is, is a big part of it. Like what's the biggest struggle your business has had to face? Oh yeah. It's money, baby. It's always mm. money. Like if you're running a business, you're supposed to, you're supposed to make money and I don't. Um, mm. So I'm just like, I'm keeping this business around until like I absolutely have to, you know, stop, but I won't. I don't intend to stop anytime soon. I've already put enough money and time into, you know, our projects, but yeah, our nonprofit clients don't have the money and mm -hmm. they don't realize that they could have a media budget. You know, some grants, you know, suggest or offer that option to include a media budget. Um, so nonprofits, you know, they're, I, I hate when, you know, aspiring and budding filmmakers get taken advantage of from, mm. you know, there's, there's, it, it's interesting because there's like this bell curve. Some of uh, my colleague told me about this, of the less you charge, the more picky the client is. And yeah, just actually, when you, when you increase your pricing they they chill out and they're like, not as like breathing on your neck as you're working. Mm. Um, and then it plummets when you charge too much. And it goes yeah. back to, okay, you know, the picky client, clients, picky, yeah. picky clients. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you, you always, it's Goldilocks rule. You know, you always want to like meet in the middle, you know, like just enough, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I found that, you know, when I first started freelancing and then opening um, my production company in February, I ended up having to let go of a client just because I, had, even though like it was my first client, it wasn't my only client, but it was my first one. You know, I had realized not only is the I was not getting the monetary value that I had thought my services was were offering, but that client relationship is also really important. Um, and I'd imagine that it's it's even more important when documentary filmmaking and and that type of relationship because, you know, with storytelling, there's a degree of vulnerability that's involved, and a big part of being able to tell compelling stories, especially for nonprofits, is is kind of breeding that vulnerability and allowing people to be vulnerable. Um, so how do you ensure that your sets and your crew um, and your director and everything is making that environment comfortable enough to where your subjects can feel okay to express their emotions and be vulnerable and share their story? And how does that kind of guide your relationship with them as a client mm -hmm. well i can think of one particular instance um we we did an hour-long interview with our uh client and um i was okay so the camera it was it was shot in a lab and so we were at the doorway we had two cameras set up and i was behind the two cameras and i'm like trying to ask the interview subject questions but he's getting overwhelmed and he's messing up. Yeah. And then I'm like, all right, let me just move. Let me just stand in front of the cameras. Like, you know, to, yeah. so he doesn't see like two cameras and two people extra beyond me, you know? So it's like little things like that. You know, you, you really, it's, it's all about problem solving, mm -hmm. you know, and timing. That's the crucial part is timing because sometimes it works itself out. I have dogs. And sometimes like they get the leash gets caught under them. And so I kind of have to like wiggle it. So yeah. then they and then or I I don't need to wiggle it. They just step step around it and they're fine again. And they figure you know, it out under yeah. their body. Yeah. Uh -huh. So it's kind of like that. It's like, you know, timing sometimes solves a lot of issues. What's your big biggest advice to filmmakers that are early on in their journey? To all the budding and aspiring filmmakers out there, network your butt off. And networking simply means building relationships. 
Mm. So, you know, in our lives, we will meet people that we intersect with. And sometimes it's just one instance, like one, one time your life cross paths with someone else and you realize you didn't want anything more to do with this person. So you move on. Um, but then there are people that you meet that you want to walk alongside, that mm. you want your trajectories to be parallel and as a team. But we have to do things by ourselves a lot. And we can't be codependent on other people because you don't know where they'll be sometimes. But, mm. you know, I wasn't diagnosed until I was 24. So I spent the first 24 years of my life undiagnosed. Yeah. So I hurt a lot of people along the way because my energy was a lot and people aren't used to that. You know, people look at me, I'm an Asian American woman. They don't expect me to be loud and boisterous and laughing out loud. You know, mm -hmm. um, they expect timid and sensitive and shy, you know, and mm -hmm. quiet, you know, I'm far from quiet. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's really, you know, I, I, I wish they would give me another chance, mm. you know, because like, I'm so much better now. Like you knew me when I was sick. Yeah. You know? And yeah. that's what mental illness does to you. You're sick, you know? And if you hurt people along the way, is, was it worth it? You know? Um, and now I have these lost connections that I'll never be able to foster again. Um, but they did what was right for them. And that mm -hmm. I, I commend anyone to do that for themselves is decide how they're going to live their lives and be happy along the way. You know, some yeah. people, some people can't find happiness and it's really sad, but there mm -hmm. is something out there that will make you happy. And that's the thing, like aspiring filmmakers, they, uh, from the, what I've, encountered they tend to be on the younger side so they do have a lot of these things to consider like the power of networking the impression that you're making on people those relationships that you're building how you conduct those and interact with others like there are a lot of things to consider so I think um, ultimately trying to find what makes you happy while understanding that some people are you're going to meet are in your life for a reason and can help you along on your journey and others not so much and and when to kind of toe that line so that's yeah. uh, I think that's great advice. You know how um, like in the action movies, like one of one of the there's like they assemble a team and then one of them is like I have to do this by myself and goes on like a lone <laughs> adventure to like you know yeah. exact revenge against you know someone. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like what I think is like so, sometimes like I'll I'll be like oh I'll ask my fiance hey can you ride with me. And like in the car, <laughs> he'll say no, and I have to do it by myself, and I hate it. <laughs> I hate doing things by myself. So another piece of advice for the filmmakers out there, you know, find your people. You know, concentrate on collaboration and not competition. Ooh, really, really one. make that difference known. Um, and figuring out people's strengths. You know, like you don't have to do everything. You know, if you're a one-person band, yeah, you have to do everything by yourself. Yeah, that sucks. But you can bring people into your projects, and and you're creating jobs. You're literally, if you want to make a movie or a film, you are creating jobs. You mm -hmm. know, whether they're paid adequately or even better than that, or you don't get yeah. paid at all. It's still that collaboration that, you know, that we can you know, support one another. You know, I, I hate the idea of calling it free work because it's not free. Um, it's, it's fruitful. It's valuable, you know? Yeah, absolutely. What about for those people who, like yourself, you do so many things. You produce, you direct, you write, you've been on camera, you've been behind the camera, you edit. Like, any advice for someone who aims to be or, or already is trying to acquire the skills to be a multi-talented um, individual in a production company or a business owner like what's your what's your advice to them because I've been throughout my college career discouraged from being you know all of those things and just picking one like I, I was told during college you're either in front of the camera or you're behind the camera 
you know, any advice for, for those individuals? My advice to the more seasoned filmmakers, good for you, by the way, you, you stuck it out and you're doing awesome. Trust me. Um, there's no one else like you. Uh, (laughs) I say delegate, you know, come up with that team, find that team, find the people that will support you. You know, the people that I met on Shaper, you know, the, the ones that I actually met in person, worked on sets with them after inviting them. Um, they're some of my greatest friends and, and it's okay to hire your friends. You know, it's not, it's, you know, I, I like to think about creating opportunities, creating positions with people in mind, you know, if you know people's strengths, you'll know, okay, this person is a, is a videographer. This person is an editor, you know, it's okay to be multiple hyphenates, you know, like Mm -hmm. you can be a triple threat. You can be as multi-skilled as I am, you know, the more you know about the process of, of making films, the better you can run your sets, you know, have you been on a set that's so chaotic and there's no order to it and, and everyone's just waiting on each other when no one need to wait, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, time management is like out the door for some reason. So make sure you collaborate with people who are really passionate and use their strengths, leverage their strengths. Be patient. Timing will solve everything. Um, you know, with Roll Pin Punch, my second short film, it took us seven years to produce it. Um, we had filmed it January 2018, and it didn't get finally edited until the next year, um, almost a year and a half. Because wow. Francis Lay applied to my internship, and admittedly, his last name, the, the way it's spelled, L-A-I, it appears to be an Asian last name, I yeah. thought. Yeah. Then I meet him, and he's this, like, six, seven-foot guy, this tall white guy. And I'm like, oh, okay. But he was awesome. He knows his stuff, you know? He's right. fast. Like, he's one of my best editors on my team. I'm so grateful to have him around. But he he edited my film. Um, and and I And I got him because I was patient. Hmm. I I didn't rush it because I couldn't try to find another editor and maybe have to pay that editor. Um, so I'd be out money and, and time. Yeah. But like I said, timing, timing solves a lot of our issues, a lot of our problems. So just trust it, you know. And if you have to act, then act, you know, be bold, you know, hmm. look out for each other when you're on set, you know, especially now in COVID times, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. So where can the people go to find you and your work on social media and online? Yes, please follow uh, Ironworks Media NC on Instagram. Uh, We have a lot of cute pictures and nice like behind the scenes (laughs) stuff. So it's it's cool to see, you know, what we're up to and how we're going to stay busy and stay true to ourselves um, and do what we love. So awesome. that's Instagram. I don't have no Facebook. You can check out our website at www.ironworksmedia.com. And Ironworks is spelled W-O-R-X. Um, X. Don't forget the X. It's not K-S. <laughs> it's X. Um, right. So, yeah, you can check out our website. Look at our work. Please look at our work. Uh, we, we do some good stuff. Uh, check it out. We have a, a huge library of videos that you can check out. Awesome. Are there any exciting projects coming up that you can plug? I know that I read on your website that Roll Pin Punch is set to become public this year. Is that still true? Yeah, sometime this year. We'll figure it out. (laughs) It's still in film festival circuit right now. So uh, I'm not rushing yet to make it public just yet because I do Mm want to rack up all those, you know, laurels and stuff. (laughs) Um, But uh, uh, you had said... Other exciting projects? Exciting projects. This weekend, I'm so psyched. On Saturday, I will be filming the first scene of my feature film that is about a Vietnamese-American mother and daughter duo who straddle a language barrier, but the energy of the kitchen brings them together. Um, so producing that in Saturday on Saturday, and then uh, another short film on Sunday um, that I... Pr- mo- maybe we'll be acting in 
um, they kind of cast me <laughs> as, okay. So first of all, that project is called one night and it's about a one night stand that goes awry. And, um, so the original cast of character, Becca, um, she had a drop from the project. Um, and so the writer, director, producer, and the assistant director wanted to do a script read through, but they didn't, they hadn't recast Becca yet. And so I was in the meeting and I was asked to read for Becca and then they liked it so much that they cast me as Becca. Oh my goodness. <laughs> wow. It's bizarre because I got, I got into the project as a producer and then Jasmine, the writer, director, producer, she uh, gave me the, a, uh, a writer credit as well. So I'm like, okay. And then I get cast like, wow, like, uh, it's, it's going to be cool. I might, we might recast again, depending, cause we have the same person that wants to come back and, um, but we'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, we'll definitely keep an eye out. So how can the viewers and listeners of this podcast st- support you as a filmmaker? You just want us to go. Ooh. I love that question. Okay. How you can support Ironworks is sending people our way. We want to make movies. We want to help people tell their stories. So if you know anyone who's interested in filmmaking or are in the North Carolina area and maybe need an internship or paid filmmaking opportunities, depending on your skill level. Um, So yeah, please reach out. Um, You can email me um, ironworksmedia at gmail.com. We have we have we're we're expanding we want to do other things too so um hit us up and we'll respond and get to talking and try to make some movies out here you know awesome awesome well we're so excited to have you as a part of the the she's in focus girl gang female filmmaker gang um thank you so much for being on the show today we loved hearing your story I, I can't wait for, for everyone to, to provide feedback on this and to kind of relate to your story because you shared a lot today. So uh, I really appreciate your time. Thank you. I am honored. I love this. Thank you. <laughs> As usual, thanks so much for listening, and I'll see y'all in the next episode. Bye. Bye.